Hello, welcome to Federalist Radio Hour. My name is Tristan Justice, and I'm the Western Correspondent for the Federalist. To join me today is West Virginia State Senator, or State Treasurer Riley Moore. Uh, Treasurer, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me on, Tristan. So I wanted to talk about this recent coalition you launched last month. Uh, you joined with 15 states to send a letter to the banking industry threatening to strip $600 billion in assets, state assets, and park them elsewhere if institutions pledge to refuse investment in fossil fuels. Tell me about this coalition. Yes. Yeah, so this was uh, something that came to my attention as um, I took office at the beginning of this year where I had coal producers and uh, gas producers in my state of West Virginia come to me and say, look, we are hearing from our banks that we're going to potentially lose access to capital, uh, which is quite alarming for us. We're a big extraction industry state. We're an energy state. And so I started looking more into it. And um, then I saw the U.S. Senate kind of caught on to it. And it turned out uh, there are a number of coercive measures uh, going on and continue to go on by John Kerry and the Biden administration, putting pressure on banks to divest from the fossil fuel industry, which is coal, gas and oil. And um, so I put a coalition together um, after talking to various energy companies and states of state treasures to put out a letter as a warning first to say, look, if you continue to go down this path, we're likely not going to be able to continue to do business with you. Well, we didn't get any real reaction uh, from them or correction in their behavior. I uh, got a lot of FOIAs, um, <laughs> but uh, no, uh, no reaction. And so that was a precursor to give them a heads up that action is coming. And that's when we took action in this most recent letter uh, that we released just a few weeks ago with this coalition of 15 states. As you mentioned, $600 billion worth of assets um, under management in between all of us. And going forward, if you're going to boycott the fossil fuel industry, you are not going to be eligible for contracts with the state of West Virginia. And the states in this coalition are implementing their um, specific policies as it relates to their state that are going to do the exact same thing, whether that's through enhanced due diligence, reforming their contracting process. In West Virginia, we're changing our contracting process where they're going to have to certify that they're not boycotting the fossil fuel industry to be eligible for a banking contract. If they cannot certify that, then they are not eligible. And now there's a lot of these big banks have put out these policy frameworks and lay it out in very clear terms that they're no longer going to lend money to the fossil fuel industry. And for me, look, that is an existential threat to my state, my state's economy, our jobs. And in a larger context, in terms of like nationally, it threatens our energy independence, which at one point we had. Now we're back in the stance of or posture of energy dependence. We're out here begging for energy resources from foreign countries, which is just completely crazy to me since we're a resource rich country. So we're not going to be dictated to by the corporate elites and the managerial class in this country and tell us which industries are good and which industries are bad. And these are legal businesses. We're going to continue to mine. We're going to continue to extract gas. 
And as we've seen, the need for that has never been higher. The demand for coal worldwide right now is about to break a record. And uh, we're in an energy crisis in this country, and they want to cut that off. So for me, um, we are going to continue to stand up and fight against this. I think it's completely un-American. Uh, it's outside of the bounds of um, what you would see in regular banking practices just uh, several years back. And what we don't want is a presumption of denial uh, for industries that are involved in uh, energy production. And so if they'd like to correct their actions and, uh, you know, not discriminate against our industries, then we are open for business. And I'm a market participant in this. So are all the other states. And as market participants, we are stating our preferences. And our preferences do business with banks that want to do business with our states. And it's a conflict of interest for us to put money into banks that at the same time are trying to diminish those funds by which they were created. What I mean is we get a lot of tax money from the coal and gas industry. So I'm going to go park that in some bank that at the same time is trying to destroy the coal and gas industry, that doesn't make any sense. So we're pushing them against this woke capitalism that's going on in this country right now. And there are other states that we've talked to since this letter has come out that are gonna join our coalition. And I think we're just gonna continue to grow in terms of our leverage. Yeah, and, and to your point about coal, China actually has announced that uh, that it's going to be uh, continued to continuing to expand its use of coal over the next year. They're already up six percent production over over last year. Um, I want to talk about the response that there's been to your letter. What have what have banks come out and, re and said in response to your letter? Came out uh, in late November. It's been about a month now. What's the response been like from Wall Street? Well, what we've seen is, of course, FOIAs again. Uh, from some folks out there, but we've even we've have, have even had positive response, which is what it, what we're looking for exactly in this is some banks coming and saying we're not getting involved in this. Uh, we want to stay a neutral actor. We want to act as a bank, which is great. That's all we want banks to act as banks because all we're asking for is the free market to remain free in this um, um, uh, endeavor that we're undertaking here. So we have had some really positive response. It's been great. Um, some of the bigger banks, it's just message received, and we'd like to have a conversation. And we're setting up those uh, conversations here in the next several uh, weeks and into next month um, with the holidays coming up and Christmas. So we're looking forward to having those talks, but I will say this, they're going to have to move to our position. We're not coming to their position on this. There's no middle ground for us. They need to come our way. I think it's really understated just how much pressure on Wall Street to refuse investment to fossil fuels is impacting the energy, energy industry and is actually playing a role in, in rising prices at the pump. Um, you know, I live in Denver. Colorado is a high energy producing state. Um, and, and, you know, people I've spoken to in the industry say, you know, 
these cascade of taxes and regulation, it's bad. Banning drilling in, in, in places like the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge is bad. But the number one, the number one obstacle facing the industry right now is the Biden administration's pressure on Wall Street to refuse investment to these industries. And, you know, overseeing a state like West Virginia, um, you know, how is your state faring amid this fight? Well, I mean, look, it, it's we are coal production is up and the, that's good. That's great. The bad news is we are and this is for the country. Our coal producers are booked out through 22. We can't mine any more than we have because of the years of the Obama administration and those regulations uh, that crushed coal and the same activity they're undertaking now in the Biden administration in terms of access to capital, we're reaching our limit. Um, and it's hard for folks right now to be able to find access to capital, to be able to recapitalize some of these mining operations. They're very expensive uh, to get going again. We do have some mines here or there that are reopening uh, to try to meet the demand. But the sad part about this, the end of the day, who's hurt by it, it's the ratepayer. It's the citizens of West Virginia and it's the citizens of the United States that are going to pay the price um, for the demand of energy that's out there. And that's just not fair because we have the resources to be able to meet these demands. And, you know, you have your renewable energies out there. That's not baseload energy. Everybody knows that. It's not able to meet the demands uh, that are out there and the requirements. But, you know, we are, you know, West Virginia is certainly chugging along in terms of coal, uh, but we could do a heck of a lot more and provide even cheaper in, uh, energy. I mean, we're the fifth largest producer of energy in the country. But we could do a lot more if these folks would just get off our backs and let us do our jobs. Right. And, and, you know, it's, it, it's, it's quite amazing to watch, uh, the, you know, the policy discussions in DC come out when they're trying to convince, um, the West Virginia Democrat Senator Joe Manchin to get on board with these sweeping proposals to curb, uh, coal production from, from your state. Like you said, it's the fifth largest energy producer in, in the country. What do you say to, to people uh, on the left who say, um, you know, rising coal production is bad, it's destroying the planet, um, we can retrain these workers? What, what's your response to people who, who claim coal is this, is this evil product that's destroying the planet and, and committing this kind of environmental self-destruction? I, I, I think it's totally insane. Uh, you know, this we're, we're going to retrain them and give them new jobs. I mean, this is just more of the intellectual elites in this country trying to you know continue to plan and come up with new ways and things for us to do we like mining coal our coal miners which i guarantee none of them in in, in washington dc have ever met they like mining coal they like doing that you know th this is the same group of people um in terms of this managerial class that have shoved down our throats in a place like west virginia globalization and it was forced on us and what did we end up with what did we get out of it right what did we get out of it we got places like walmart showed up all over our communities hollowed out our small towns crushed our local economies and now these same folks want to come back 
and say, well, the jobs that you have left that are good paying and a coal miner, by the way, makes an average of $90,000 a year, they want to come back and say, no, actually, those jobs aren't good. So what are we left with at the end of the day? Working at Walmart, that's not living. That's not living. We have to have better opportunities in terms of retraining. I'd love to see Joe Biden learn how to code. Okay, so when Joe Biden learns how to code, then, okay, let's see how that works out. We don't need to learn how to code. These guys are making an average of $90,000 a year in these jobs. And I mean, it's it's a real tragedy. I mean, when you think about it, it's uh, no one has ever asks the real Americans in this country how they feel about these potential outcomes of these policies in places like West Virginia or Ohio or even uh, Detroit, for instance, in terms of kind of these globalization uh, trends and our need and want to be accepted by the international community. I mean, look, the American people, look, they're an astute observer of the realities that they're living in. They're a lot smarter and they're more grounded than I'd say the intelligentsia out here in this country give them credit for. And the elites here have consistently over decades reassured us that these policies and theories were sound. Meanwhile, our livelihoods were being swept away. And in the same time, foreign powers like China now pick over the carcass and the carcasses of the once great cities and economic engines of our country like vultures in an industrial desert. I mean, the working class people of this country have been picked clean and laid for bear. And they've been laid for bear for the planners to plan more ways that they can shift away our current jobs that we have and put us into new types of vocations and learn how to code. Yet for all these well-laid plans, right, it has produced greater government dependence, national skepticism in the country, and outrage and drug addiction. I mean, that's what we're dealing with now. Those are the outcomes of these policies that are being pushed on us. So it's, it's hurting the country. It's hurting the country the end of the day. And I mean, it, it, it really is a sad state of affairs, I'd say. And these folks are all for competition as long as it's for the working class. But it seems like there's no competition when it comes to corporate. They're always protected. They're always a protected class in this thing. And just like these expeditionary wars that, you know, the United States has gone out and fought because we thought those were great policies to undertake, the working class always bears the brunt of these bad decisions. We're bearing the brunt of these bad decisions as it relates to globalization. We're bearing the brunt of these bad decisions as it relates to energy policies. And we bore the brunt of that as well in terms of these expeditionary conflicts we've undertaken now for decades all over the world. So it's it's all kind of the same thing. And what we are saying is West Virginia and our coalition, we're not gonna take it anymore. And enough is enough. 
Are your thoughts running in endless circles in your mind? I know that I have been there. So with the stresses of this last year, it's more important than ever to practice living healthier and happier lives. So what if a few minutes was all it took to change your relationship with stress and anxiety, transforming your life for the better? That's the power of meditation with Headspace. Our thoughts can be confusing enough. Meditation doesn't have to be. Headspace is your convenient dose of meditation, mindfulness, and sleep exercises to relieve stress and anxiety and help you get a good night's sleep all in one app, making it easy to catch your breath and make time for your mental health. And it's one of the most science-backed meditation apps in the world, proving meditation works. A study proves in just two weeks, Headspace can reduce your stress by 14%. You're going to love their SOS mini meditations, for example, that just give you a quick breather. They relieve stresses and bring you a moment of peace amongst all of the daily chaos. Find some Headspace at headspace.com slash Federalist and get one month free of their entire meditation library. This is the best Headspace offer available. So go to headspace.com slash Federalist today. Headspace.com slash Federalist. In the 1960s, as war raged in Vietnam, Americans were shocked to learn of documents leaked from the Pentagon that made them question their government's entire involvement in the conflict. The new season of Wondery's podcast, American Scandal, explores the Pentagon Papers, those highly controversial leaked documents that led Americans to demand an end to the catastrophic war. In the 60s, Daniel Ellsberg was a young government official who discovered that U.S. leaders were secretly escalating a war they knew could not be won. Sound familiar? As a result, thousands of men were drafted each year only to be senselessly killed. Once Ellsberg recognized this terrible truth, he made the bold decision to leak the documents now known as the Pentagon Papers, even if the consequences would land him behind bars for life. It's a story about self-sacrifice and justice, but it's also the story of Ellsberg's transformation from government operative to anti-war whistleblower and how his actions altered the course of American history. Listen to American Scandal, The Pentagon Papers on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen one week early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. When, when you mentioned Joe Biden learning to code, my mind went to the 2019 debate moment where he's talking about record players on the debate stage. <laughs> um, right, yeah. But you mentioned Ohio, and, and I want to talk about that because there are 15 states on this letter in November. Um, uh, but I want to talk about some of the states that weren't on the letter. Um, there's about 20, 22 states that have um, that, were, that are have state finances run by Republicans, whether it's a governor appointee or whether it's another state treasurer like your state or an auditor or comptroller. Um, and, and, and several states stood out um, not being on the letter. You know, I can see why I say Mississippi didn't sign because they're not necessarily a, an energy rich state, but um, Alaska, Oklahoma, and Ohio are, they're all top 10 oil producers and they're not on this uh, latest uh, letter in November. Now, the, uh, I'm just going to read off the ones for our listeners who might not know the ones that did sign. The ones that did sign include Arizona, Arkansas, Idaho, Louisiana, Missouri, Nebraska, North Dakota, South Carolina, South Dakota, Utah, Wyoming, Alabama, Texas, and Kentucky. But again, Alaska, 
Ohio and Oklahoma, <laughs> some of the nation's largest oil producers are not on this letter. Now, uh, I reached out to uh, the state leadership um, over, you know, after your initial letter came out and, and asked why. Alaska came out with a pretty lengthy response. They're looking into it. They're looking at what they can do. Um, the governor uh, there appoints the commissioner of revenue who oversees this type of stuff. And uh, the governor has in the past pushed for legislation um, that would effectively make into law what you propose in this letter, that any financial institution that bans investment into fossil fuels uh, can't manage state money. Um, the legislation hasn't been uh, was not officially formally introduced in the legislature, but um, the governor has been, been pushing for it up there. But Ohio and Oklahoma. Um, they didn't really have much of a response when I asked them why they didn't sign this. Um, and interestingly, you mentioned an earlier letter that you guys sent to, to climate envoy John Kerry making kind of the same, uh, these same threats. Um, Ohio and Oklahoma's treasurers both did sign that, but um, the treasurers um, uh, did not sign this latest one in November. Why don't you think that these two treasurers signed it? Um, in short, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, look, there is... Um, Certainly, uh, the requirements in, in their state as an energy producing state uh, are clear and in terms of the jobs and uh, the economic benefits that they see from that. You know, it's certainly not too late for them to get on the letter. I, I'd certainly hope that they would. You'd mentioned Alaska, so I, I do want to touch on that because I did just talk to the governor's office in Alaska just last week. And uh, it does sound like they are going to join our coalition. They're going to likely put something out here soon. So we're continuing to grow uh, support for this. Pennsylvania is another state uh, that sounds like they're going to join the coalition as well. So we're really excited about that. And uh, but in terms of Oklahoma and Ohio, I'm not really sure. Um, you know, we had their support on the initial letter, uh, the warning shot, so to speak. Uh, we did reach out to their offices, uh, but uh, they had declined to sign on to this letter. I don't think that that means that they won't, uh, but at this point, they have not. Um, I'd certainly hope that that they will in the future, uh, because we're certainly stronger together trying to push back against this woke capitalism. Uh, do you have an updated dollar amount if Pennsylvania and Alaska follow through on, on what you said, joining the coalition? Do you have an updated dollar amount? How much um, would be wagered then? Yeah, I think we'd be getting close, uh, close to about $800 billion. Um, and I think there's a couple others that we could end up getting on to. I think we'll probably get what I think we could get start bumping up towards is close to a trillion dollars assets under management. And just for the listening audience here, in terms of state government and state treasures, we don't hold any of these dollars in some bank that the state owns. Um, <laughs> we don't have a state bank, right? So we contract out all of these activities, whether uh, what we call cash management, it could be an ACH contract, all of these dollars are parked in private institutions. And so we're talking about a tremendous amount of leverage uh, if we decide to take these dollars and put them 
in other banks that actually want to do business uh, with our states. So um, if people are listening, I'd certainly, uh, uh, or the people that are listening, I'd certainly urge you uh, to pay attention to who your state treasurer is. It's an important time right now. And there's certainly um, a lot of action that state treasurers can can certainly take uh, as it relates to woke capitalism that's going on in this country and uh, some of the bigger financial institutions. And, uh, you know, I, I'm as a state treasurer, I know we're not always the uh, most uh, talked about office that is run statewide. We're not the governor. Uh, I certainly understand that. But I think we're seeing now the power of the states uh, it, when we act together to push back against this uh, onerous um, regulation and woke capitalism and um, tremendous amount of pressure we're seeing from uh, the Biden administration and the federal government. Yeah, I, I want to dive a little bit more into that and just, you know, what kind of powers that state treasurers can, can, can wield to enact really significant change on, on really a large scale level. I, I think... Um, and, and you touched on it already. Uh, conservatives start, are starting to wake, kind of wake up and, and kind of see which other avenues uh, where they can kind of combat in the culture wars and really combat some of the, the sweeping change, transformational changes that are coming from the left. Um, I think school boards, a perfect example of this, you know, while traditionally there's always been this uh, overt focus on, you know, president. Senate, Governor, House. Uh, again, I think conservatives are starting to wake up and see uh, what other offices that they might be able to, to pursue um, and, and kind of be a little more uh, dynamic in this fight. Um, and, and so you know, right now, school boards is a really hot issue right now because I think conservatives are starting to see um, what's happening in schools. <laughs> and instead of taking over the legislature, um, take over the school boards, an area that the left has, has kind of had this monopoly on for years. Um, and, and I think state treasurer offices, uh, this letter is starting to show, is, is having that kind of effect too. I think people don't realize what kind of power state treasurers have. What should people be looking for in choosing state treasurers? And, and, and I guess, what are some of the different things that state treasurers do that people uh, might not understand? Well, you know, every office is somewhat different, but does have very distinct similarities. And that is we are the chief financial officers for our state, essentially managing the dollars for our state. In my case, we have $18 billion assets under management in the little great state of West Virginia, um, state like uh, Pennsylvania or Ohio, has probably over $100 billion assets under management. Some um, and manage their pension funds, which is a big topic of conversation as it relates to BlackRock and some of the uh, investments that they're uh, in as it relates to China, um, which I think we, I mean, people need to get out of that. I mean, that that is just completely crazy. But in, in any event, it's there is a lot of financial leverage because of the relationships that we have to have uh, with financial institutions specifically uh, as it relates to the management of the public funds of our given states. Now, as you mentioned, you know, most people are looking president and Senate and the House and the governor. Think about Secretary of State. 
right? We just had a big fight over election integrity that certainly continues right now as it's happening in the United States Senate. There have been secretaries of state that have come together and uh, formed uh, coalitions as it relates to some of these bills they want to pass in the United States Senate. Secretary of State's a very important position. Uh, we got a great Secretary of State here in West Virginia, Mac Warner. And these positions really matter. And, you know, it, it, people need to take a close look at it. And what I'd say in terms of state treasures, I think you want a state treasurer who is going to, one, obviously be a good steward of taxpayer dollars, but secondarily is going to stand up and fight and be aggressive. They have more leverage than most people probably realize in this fight against kind of the woke capitalism that is going on in this country right now. And that's what we're proving through this coalition. So these are hugely important jobs that weren't as widely discussed just a couple of years ago. But believe me, there is a lot of um, influence and leverage that exists in these statewide offices, secretary of state, obviously attorney general uh, being one of them and state treasurer. And the states are going to have to, because there's only so much they can do on the federal level right now. Um, we need to look to the states to push back on this type of stuff. It seems to me that conservatives are just getting smarter at how to push back on this stuff with these types of, of, of coalitions. Are, are you optimistic about the future of, of statewide partnerships to, uh, to do some of this stuff? I mean, you know, fossil fuels is an area right now, but down the line, stuff like election integrity, other states passing laws at the same time for voter ID. So the MLB can't boycott half the country. Um, are you optimistic that uh, conservatives are, are just getting smarter about this? I am. I'm extremely optimistic about it. And there was a really good uh, template that was laid down by other statewide officers, and that's uh, specifically the attorney generals like RAGA, right? We've seen attorney generals um, throughout the state, uh, throughout the country, uh, pardon, push back and in terms of uh, fighting um government overreach in uh, various federal uh, regulations and otherwise through lawsuits, right? They're using their collective power uh, together to push back against this. And we see that get up to the Supreme Court. Our Attorney General, Patrick Morrissey, did a great job with that with uh, the Obama administration. He's now uh, fighting really hard against the Biden administration. And um, Using that template, that's what we've been able to do with the state treasures coalition that we have here in terms of this um, uh, banking boycott that we have on the fossil fuel industry. And Secretary of State's are doing the same thing. I think we're getting a lot smarter about this. I'll tell you on the other side, uh, Democrats for a very long time, state treasures have been leveraging pension funds for a very, very long time. It's not something that's been widely discussed. And I know that there's a, a number of state treasurers and uh, outside interest groups that want to see Republican state treasurers where they can, because not all of them oversee their pension funds, but where they can start to leverage uh, their influence and their position uh, to get us out of some of these investments like in China and BlackRock and things of this nature, where they're obviously diametrically opposed to the U.S. national interest and the American people's interests. So I, I think this is going to be 
the first battle and many to come, I think is what I'd say. I have to wonder, by the way, while you're talking about foreign investment, how many firms in the U.S. that are protesting fossil fuel investment here are investing in fossil fuel and mining operations overseas? Uh, I feel like, uh, you know, um, everyone all the time I, I come across an article of, of billionaires investing in mines while protesting them here at home. Um, have any states, to your knowledge, since your letters come out, uh, you know, the, it's probably too soon. States need to do an out. You know, deeper analyses and, and, and probing of these institutions. But have any states uh, successfully withdrawn uh, their money from any institutions over protesting fossil fuels and diverted them somewhere else yet? Yes, there was a recent example that down in Louisiana, Treasurer Schroeder, who's a real patriot down there in Louisiana, uh, there was a, um, a bonding issue and he had pulled, I think it was something maybe a half billion dollars in bonding authority um, away from, I believe it was JP Morgan Chase uh, here just recently. And that was since the letter has come out. And um, I think he had another issue uh, in the past, perhaps might've been uh, with B of A, but I, I cannot remember exactly, but he is already taking action. We are going to take action in West Virginia and, you see other states are moving um, in that direction. Obviously, we got to do our due diligence uh, before that action comes. But I can promise you in West Virginia, action is coming. And um, I tell your listening audience, stay tuned, because this is just we have got to stop just talking about things and we've got to start doing things. We've got to put these words into action. We talk about this stuff all the time. It's time to put words into action. Oh, well, uh, on that note, then, uh, just, just to wrap up, is there anything else? What do you want our audience to, to take away from, from this letter and, and from this coalition? And, and uh, what do you expect moving forward? Well, what I'd say is, you know, as we kind of touched on, is certainly pay attention to who your state treasurer is. It is an important office, as we're seeing right now in this fight against well, capitalism and really, I mean, the fight for energy independence in this country and also to keep the free market free uh, at the end of the day, which is what we would like to see, obviously, uh, in this country. And um, <clears throat> as I stated, look, this is just the first step in this, and we're going to continue to fight against this as hard as we can. Every day I wake up and it's I feel the exact same thing that I know the miners and those folks working on those um, in those gas operations out here in West Virginia feel, and it's anger. It's anger. We're angry. I'm angry. They're angry. And, you know, just by background, uh, look, I, I started my career off a very long time ago as a welder working in a mining operation. That's how I started my life off. I'm, I am one of these people. I know what they're feeling, you know, and those are the kind of jobs that we want to continue to see in this country. We got a great program that we're rolling out here soon called the Jump, Jump Start Savings Program. I urge your listening audience to, to check it out. And it's a way that we're going to, instead of college savings plans, we're going to set up saving plans for people that are coming out of trade and technical school to be able to save dollars 
for tools, equipment, licenses, certifications, and new business startup costs. We've got to start thinking about health and happiness in this country, not just maximization of corporate profits at all costs, which means doing business with China and our enemies out here who are diametrically opposed to us and their maximization of their profits in their schemes that they have in their corporations. We need to think about how we bring those jobs back. How do we become energy independent? How do we create better quality of life in this country? I mean, we all know, right, the uh, Declaration of Independence. What does it say? Life, liberty, and this is the, uh, the important term, pursuit of happiness. What does that mean? It's not the pursuit of existence. And I know I'll keep bringing Walmart up, but that is existence. Working at Walmart is existence. And God bless every West Virginian and American that has to work in a place like Walmart at very, very low wages because that company has come in and destroyed our small businesses. But we have to start thinking about quality of life in this country, family. I mean, these coal mining communities and these jobs where they're making $90,000 a year, I mean, it, it is that pursuit of happiness they have. They have family, they have community, and they have faith. And that are those are the types of pillars we need to get back to in our communities and in our country. Well, on that, on that note, Treasurer, thank you for joining me. Thank you so very much. And just real quick, if uh, anybody would like to know some more about what we're up to, find me on Facebook or Twitter, uh, more for WV on Facebook and Riley Moore WV on Twitter. And uh, give us a follow there. And uh, I promise you, you won't be bored. We'll, we stay busy. <laughs>